all Mark these... Cuban lives here? Yes. He lives in Highland Park, though? Yes, he lives in Preston Hollow. Wait, really? Next to George Bush. Are they neighbors? I don't think they're neighbors. Yeah. See, I just don't perceive that when I'm walking to class, that I'm just like within a 10-mile radius of Mark Cuban's right. residence. You are. Hey, Catherine. How are you? I'm doing good. Yeah? It's been a long yeah. day, but um, very productive. Day. Good, yeah. And now we're podcasting. Now so. we're doing episode two. Episode two. Of Chronically on Campus. Welcome back. We're so excited to continue with this this awesome project that we're doing. How was your day? What uh, are your classes like on, on, to do, on okay, Tuesdays? Okay, so <laughs> speaking of being chronically on campus. Oh, no. So I have... 23 credit hours this semester. 23? 20, 23. For context, the maximum standard hours that you can take at SMU is 18. 23, exactly. And you're taking five more on top of so that. So for, for according to the university registrar slash bursar's office, I am taking 18 credit hours. But you got zero credits. I am so. taking two slash three credits for zero credits. Oh, man. So, but anyways, my Tuesdays are my light days. I only have class from 9 to 10.50, then a lesson at 11, then work from 12 to 2, then class at 2. Then I have 30 minutes, then class from 3.30 to 4.50, then studio from 5 to 6. That's your light day? That's my light day. Are you kidding me? My Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I have class at 9, 10, 11, 12, 1, 2, work from 3 to 4, class from 4 to 6. What day is that on? Monday, Wednesday, Mondays? Friday. Oh my gosh. But this is why we never hang out. Right. Would I recommend that schedule? Absolutely not. <laughs> Was it necessary? Absolutely not. Am I doing it? Sure am. Overachiever you. But Crazy. enough about me. Let's talk about you. <laughs> my day was good. I had a long day. My day, I have 8 a.m.s on Tuesday and Thursday. You. Which are fine. It's a really fun class, though. It's my French conversation class, and we just talk about – we talked about social media use today, and it was really fascinating. And we just talked in, in French, French the whole time. Oh, yeah. Can we, can we ha try and talk in French right now? Oui. Yeah. Tu parles français? La me va pure. What? That's not French. It's poetry. It actually is French. La me va pure. It sounds like Italian. De... It is a... You're saying it with an Italian accent. No, I'm saying it like French. Catherine, I would know. <laughs> I have studied French for 16 years. Because I've taken... I have to take French lyric diction Oh. for voice. So that's one of my art songs. Are you in that French. right now? Yeah. Well, oh. no, I was in it last semester. Okay. So I know how to like pronounce French. I know the IPA. I don't yeah. know what any of the words mean. Okay. Um, That's kind of important. <laughs> well, like, it's important for communicating in French, but I know what the poems mean. There's, like, okay. an art there's like an artistic translation, not a word-for-word -word translation gotcha. of French music. Cool. Nice. So, yeah, I, I, have, I have my 8 a.m. immediately followed by my film music history class, which is probably my favorite class I this semester. Take, should I take that? Please okay, take I it. I really want to so take that I really want to take that And then I'm done with class after that. 
for the, for rest, the, of the rest of the day. Except when I have orchestra rehearsal, Catherine, which can be from 3.30 to 6.30. That's not even kind of fair. It's really nice. I mean, this is my last quote-unquote busy semester. I'm in 17 hours right now for comparison. I've usually been in 18 every semester, except for one other one. I've never been in 18. You've all, always been over? What? I was in 19 my first semester, 21 my second. No, 19 my first semester, 19 my second semester, 21. Is it because you started as a music ed major? It Well, oh. it's because I, yes and no. Really, it's because I don't know why, Catherine, I do these things myself. I started as a music education major and music ed majors already have too much to do. So they my do. first year when I was a music ed major, I was taking... 19 hours, which is not that bad. Like 18 hours isn't terrible because Lyric Theater, which is an ensemble we have to be in, is Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 6 to 8. No, what? 4 to 6. <laughs> but you're not called every time. Like when you have a rehearsal and it counts as like as hours, you're not really called to every rehearsal. Kind of like you if you're in the rotation for the wind ensemble or whatever. You wouldn't okay. be in the wind ensemble. I, I was just you on, the was on the wind ensemble. I was in the wind ensemble. You was on the wind ago. ensemble. <laughs> ensemble. Wind, wind ensemble is one of my favorite ensembles to play in ever. It, they're, they're so good too. Also, Carruth really is just good. the best place to play. It's kind of small on the stage, but, but it's acoustically. so beautiful. It's a very cool. Circling back, did you talk about your schedule, your day? Yeah, you did. You said you had we, – we have – Class until 11. And then you're done. Went for a run. Then I had rehearsal for three hours today because it was one of those days where we have that it for was. that long. Right. And then I was supposed to go to dinner with the RA staff. Oh, I'm an RA as well. I don't think I've ever said that on the podcast. I feel like you – I didn't say it in the first episode. We were supposed to go out to dinner and then everyone bailed except for – my friend Cole, who was the organizer, and then he was like, I don't want to go at all. And I was like, no. So I just had salad in my room. That's funny because I didn't eat dinner. So what's on the docket for today's episode? That's a great question. So today we're really excited to kind of reflect back, going back in time a little bit to when we were in high school or thinking about our preconceived notions about college in general and – SMU specifically, what we knew yeah. about it coming in, because there are a lot of uh, stereotypes a associated lot. with this university. Some good, some bad. So we're going to unpack that a little bit today. Right. And you know what? I get asked about those stereotypes a lot on tours. Oh, because so you work in the admissions I office. I do. And so people will ask me, like, can you can you talk about, you know, the stereotypes? And so I think it'd be cool to to talk about that later. Yeah. To, to hear what other people who aren't us, what they're um, – you know, conceptions of SMU are. Yeah, it really kind of brings you back to reality a little bit. I feel like sure. so often, especially haha, being chronically on campus, living here all the time, we get so swept up in our own little bubble right. of the SMU only world that we forget that there's a whole other society out there. Oh, we'd like to throw out a quick disclaimer. This episode is going to sound like a giant ad for SMU. <laughs> However, we are not being paid in any way by the university to say this on this podcast. Unless they want to pay us. Which, by all means, please, I mean, um, email us at chronicallyoncampus at gmail.com for gmail. inquiries. Com. That's right. Okay, so why don't we start by just talking about our journey to committing to SMU? Oh, boy. What a long story. I mean, well, okay. Talk to me about your experience because mine, I know mine was very 
it was when I was researching schools in high school, it was very dependent on specific factors being a music student. Yes, the institution was important to me, but what was more important was the private faculty member I would be studying with for four mm, years. For sure. That played a huge role in my decision and also finances, of course, as almost all college students, I think, consider. So yeah, what was your experience like? Yeah, mine was really similar. Obviously, you know, we both were pursuing music degrees. So the music school is really what I looked at. I did value like a college experience and I wanted to get that, but I was really focused on, okay, what music program am I going to be going to? So I only applied to four schools. I applied to OU, Belmont, Baylor, and here. And SMU was honestly kind of, it, I wouldn't say backup, but it was one that I hadn't really researched a lot. Most of high school, I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to OU for sure. I'm committing there. Really? Um, that's ex- that's kind of where I was so going. Um, had a lot of friends in their their program and it was good. And, and I really enjoyed the faculty and talking to them. It wasn't until I, because commitment day is, is what, May 1st, right? When May you have 1st. to commit. Yeah. So it was actually April when I said, let me switch to SMU. Um, and the reasoning was because I actually got to go to SMU and OU in the same weekend. See them back to back while both schools were kind of fresh on my mind. I had ruled out the other one, the other schools for for other reasons. I was applying during COVID, so I wasn't even able to get to Tennessee. And also the thought of moving that far away from home did kind of frighten me a little bit. And so ultimately I wanted to stay relatively close which is funny because that shifted from when I first was like applying to schools. Yeah. I told myself I have to go far away. Interesting. But I came to SMU, met with faculty, met Cliff, uh, my voice teacher, and just really had the best time. Met with Ryan Cole, um, had a campus Ryan. tour. Shout out to Ryan. We he's, love Ryan. He's the real one. Had a campus tour and just fell in love with it. And I was just like, oh, crap. I I really think, I really think I love SMU. And I kind of wasn't allowing myself to love SMU because I knew that the sticker price was going to be impossible for my family. It's very intimidating. Um, That's a whole other. It's very intimidating. We will have a whole other conversation later this season about college affordability and finances as a college student because it's a, we're, we're pushing six figures. Yeah. We're the most expensive school in Texas, actually. Oh boy. We both have scholarships. But, oh my um, gosh. No, of course. Yeah. You know, it was something that I really was scared to talk to my family about because, you know, I know my parents were going to be like, we want to send you wherever you feel like you need to go. And that was like a burden for me. I was like, oh, I'm going to feel guilty, you know, putting this burden on my parents to pay for this expensive school. But I left SMU and I went to OU and the entire time I was on OU's campus, I was like, well, SMU had this. Well, SMU did this differently and I liked it better. I was comparing everything to SMU. Mm. And I think subconsciously I was telling myself, why are you com- like, why am I comparing something to SMU? Why is everything, well, SMU does this and SMU does this. And I also met their faculty and just did not get the same vibe. Um, I'm someone that like thrives off of communication and and connection with people and I just didn't find like the connection while I was on campus there that I did here and so that's really how I came to 
B team SMU. And then the more I spoke with my advisor here, the more I really just fell in love. And obviously Dallas is such a great city. It really and is. And the performance opportunities that both of us get from being in this city are kind of unmatched. At the time I was applying for music education and I was thinking to myself, the amount of opportunities in Dallas to student teach and like, as opposed to Oklahoma, just seemed interesting uh, to me. And also music in Texas is a much bigger deal than Oklahoma. And so being certified to teach in Texas was going to bring me farther. I've since changed my career path. Music is just a huge deal in Texas compared to any other state in the country. No one's heard of OKMEA. But they've heard of TMEA. <laughs> oh my god! No, yeah, Illinois. Like we hear about yeah. TMEA, we compare ourselves to Texas. Really, music ed. Oh wow. yeah, for sure. So it just it all made sense. Um, all the all the signs pointed to SMU, and so that's kind of how I decided to commit. And the rest is history. And now you're here, Amazing. here doing the pod, doing the podcast. <laughs> did you ever think, as a high school senior, that you would be making a I podcast? I didn't. I didn't. Me neither. But I'm so glad. I think this is really cool. Tell me about your experience coming to SMU. So I chose SMU out of, well, okay, when it came down to it, it was purely a financial decision. I applied to only two schools. Really? I applied early decision and early action. I applied early decision to Vanderbilt and got in. Wow. I applied early action to SMU and got in. Doesn't early decision mean binding? Yes. Okay. So let's talk about that. So the binding agreement with the university, you can only get out of if you can't afford to attend financially. And so I got accepted into Vanderbilt in December of my senior year. So I had the entire spring semester and I was like telling everyone I was going to Vanderbilt and I was so excited about it. It was my dream school. I loved SMU and Vanderbilt were both my top choices. And actually when I had college auditions, they were back to back. They were wow. one after another. So I was I flew from Chicago to Nashville, had my audition, flew that same night to Dallas and had my audition the next day here. So I got to directly compare the universities and the cities like immediately after one another, which was really a great yeah, decision. It's, uh, it really helps. So I got to directly compare everything between the two of them. And it was such a close race. I loved I definitely preferred the proximity of SMU to a, a major city. Because it was so, it was more, it reminded me so much of Chicago. And I love the city of Chicago. I it's have so to beautiful. visit Chicago with Please you. Please come visit. It's so beautiful. So I compared Chicago to Dallas when I came and visited SMU. And I only really got to see the city by complete accident. Because we had accidentally booked our flights into the Dallas-Fort Worth airport instead of Dallas Love Field. Oh, wow. And our Uber took us through downtown. So I wouldn't have seen the city all lit up at night because we flew in at night. Oh, that's cool. If I hadn't flown through DFW. Dallas is really beautiful at night. It is. It is not as well like laid out. My freshman year roommate always said, oh, the Dallas skyline is like really unorganized because it's it not. Is. It's unorganized. It was poorly planned, but yeah. it's still a beautiful city. And there's so much to do in that city. And so I really liked that proximity when I was looking at schools. And I really loved both professors, but now the Vanderbilt Heart Professor has left since I wow. started. So that was another thing for me was when I was looking at schools, 
I was looking at what private lesson teacher I'd be studying with for all four years. I wanted stability and certainty in who I'd be studying with. And I, at the time, had found that in Vanderbilt and SMU for sure. So those were my top two. And so after I got my acceptance from Vanderbilt, I was waiting for financial aid to come out. I was assuming it would come out pretty quickly or usually by March, I think, is when a lot of aid gets decided Mm -hmm. And nothing was coming. And so I was waiting around. I was emailing. And the heart professor at Vanderbilt said that she was pushing for me and she was like making the right calls and things to help get that sorted out. And then March, early April came around and I had zero dollars from Vanderbilt. And in the meantime, I was getting so many emails from SMU. SMU, if they did one thing great during the admissions process, it was communication. Communication. I would get emails from them every week. And Ryan has since asked me, oh, is that annoying or bothered you? I was like, no, I loved it. You get emails, postcards, boxes, t-shirts. I felt so, I felt like they wanted to invest in me. And that made such a difference in the outlook I had being a college or a high school senior, especially being from so far away out of state. Mm -hmm. And I felt really valued by them. And I it came down to a decision where I had to say, okay, do I either want to go to college for almost nothing or take out $300,000 in student loans to afford my undergraduate education? And obviously, there is a wiser financial right. decision there for right. very similar educations in similar environments with fantastic faculty at either institution. And so SMU was the smarter financial move for me. But honestly, I'm so glad that I landed here, especially like observing how each university responded to the pandemic in terms of Mm. at Vanderbilt, like they had all of the students living alone. And I'm a very social person. And especially in the middle of a pandemic and being out of state, I was concerned about finding my place and finding my footing at a right. university. And I think SMU handled things very safely during the pandemic and made a very positive experience in spite of the circumstances that were happening in the world at the time. Yeah, so. I absolutely agree with that. It's it's really encouraging when you're a senior in high school and you're getting communication from a university that is clearly investing in you you know what I mean? Like, absolutely, it really helps you make that final decision. And yeah, I had a really similar experience. So, sorry if my water bottle is making noise when I. It's okay. What's its name? It's a hydro flask. She's it's basic. Name? It's a hydro flask. Well, I'm not basic anymore because the Stanley cups are crazy. Oh, right that's now. true. Oh, They're really we should do aesthetic. an episode on like college trends. College trends. That's a good one. Yeah. Let's circle back and talk about some SMU stereotypes. Let's do that. I mean, so, okay, well, for context, so did you know about any of the stereotypes about so, SMU before you know what? You came here? When I really reflect on it, I feel like most of my stereotypes on SMU were a reflection of its location in Highland Park. Mm. Because my, because Highland Park is, for context, is called the Beverly Hills of Dallas. It's, it's like one of the most it's expensive. It's similar to, it's one of, it's the most expensive place to live in Texas. It's the most let me just do a I Google know it's check. in the top five most expensive zip codes in the state. Yeah, it's number four. Oh, my gosh. So, okay. So, but anyways. Your experience is different than mine because you are from, from the area. Here. So, I have grown up my whole life. I know Highland Park is Highland Park. It sits in Dallas. There's 
famous people that live in like live in Highland Park. We're situated ten minutes north of the city. Of right, Dallas. like most of the Dallas Cowboys, our future, our, our future president, our uh, former <laughs> president Bush, Dallas Stars, Mark Cuban, like all. Mark these- Cuban lives here. Yes, he lives in Highland Park, though. Yes, he lives in Preston Hollow. Wait, really? Next to George Bush. Are they neighbors? I don't think they're neighbors. He owns the Dallas Mavericks. Of course I know that. I know. I know. I I've, I've seen him. Before. I obviously he had to be living here. I just didn't know he lived so close. No, everyone who has money that who lives sense. in Dallas like, lives where else would he go? five to seven minutes from SMU. And a lot of them have ties to SMU. See, I just don't perceive that when I'm walking to class, that I'm just like within a 10-mile radius of Mark Cuban's right. residence. You are. That's so wild. But anyways, so my, I guess, stereotype of SMU was based on its location. However, coming to SMU, I did have those stereotypes because of its location. But also, when I was in high school, the only thing every time I would say like, oh yeah, I'm going to SMU, people would be like, oh, that's such a party school. Did you oh. hear that? Well, for me, a lot of people didn't even know about SMU in Chicago. We don't have it. We're not like the majority draw drawing population to this school. Some of the kids in my school knew about SMU. And I will say that these were more the athletic and popular kids who, when I said, oh yeah, I'm going to SMU, they were like, oh no way, that's so cool. But I think they're also like, I'm not in Greek life. I'm not, I was never traditionally one of the cool kids in school or like the popular kids. Oh, I I was so popular. I didn't think I was popular. I went to a teeny tiny high school. Like maybe my class had 75 seniors. I was student body president. Oh, no way. My mother worked for the high school. Like everyone knew who I was. I think that they all just really liked my mom. I think everyone <laughs> any at any small school everyone knows everybody. Right. So I'm like I wasn't popular. Everyone was like everyone knew everyone. Everyone was popular, quote unquote. Yeah. Um but I was involved in a lot of extracurriculars. Um Did you do sports in high school? So no. Actually, <laughs> this is funny. I played football in middle school. Did you really? Well, we were required to do a sport and I was like I'm not running cross country. Are you kidding like me? like that in Texas. So I did play football. I remember vividly this time when my coach would be like, hey, have you played yet? And I'd be like, no. And he'd be like, okay, go in. And I'd be like, no. (laughs) Because really where I shined was on the sideline cheering people on. And it's not because I wasn't good because I was like kind of a big person in high school and I was built like a football player. I just didn't – there's something stupid about running around tackling people. I don't know. I love watching the sport. Big fan of the Super Bowl halftime show. Yes, you know? of course. Well, that's um, not much, there's not much gameplay going on. One of my favorite things is like going to football games. Not one of my favorite things, but I really love going to football games at AM where my brother went to school. Ooh. Because they're just such a vibe. So much fun. I love the community and culture. I didn't need to be hot in all those pads mm. doing all that stuff. Fair so enough. I did play that. Valid. But in high school, we had to get athletic credits. As oh. most high schools do, but I was in the musical that. and that counted. Nice. Um, so I did that. And I also was on the drum line, which counted as an athletic credit. You were on drum so line? I what did you the, play? I played the quads. You played for quads? For four years on drum line for my high school. Yeah. Whoa. Could I do it now? Honestly, give me a couple hours. Maybe I could pick it back up. 
the thing that's difficult with reading music for the choir, and like I'm not good at counting. I'm a tenor, so I'm not good at counting rhythms. That's kind of how that happens. <laughs> um, but I each line on the staff basically corresponds to one of the drums that you hit. Okay. So that's how you read the note. There's no pitches, which is like hard for me as a vocalist to like get over the fact that yeah. it's complete rhythm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there are pitches in the drums. You had to tune them to different pitches. But each each space is a drum, and then you just read the rhythms and hit. It's hard to sight read it because I can't think that fast. But after you learn it all once, you kind of get through it, and you can play everything. But it was such a vibe. And that was how I got to experience, like, Friday Night Lights and do the college football in Texas, have that experience. And being on the drumline was so freaking cool. It was Drumline is cool. It was fun. It was fun. Drumline, no matter where you are, drumline is just incredible all the time. My sister was on drumline in high school. I'm also in the band. I'm in the band here at SMU. I don't march a ton now because I do all their media stuff. But But what did you play? I play piccolo. Did you know that? I didn't. I mean, I knew you were in the band, so I had to do something. Yeah, I play flute and piccolo. We don't have flute in the band, so I just march on piccolo. So do you have scholarship from marching band too? I do. That's awesome. But anyway, so those were my kind of concept, like yeah, my it's perception different. of SMU. I guess it's different being so far from Dallas for me. Because I only heard about SMU because of my harp professor who I study with here. When she joined the faculty, I had just met her after a summer harp camp, basically. And she, I was following her on social media and she was posting that this announcement that she had had joined the faculty here at SMU. So that was the first time I'd ever heard of it. And I was a junior going to my junior year of high school. So I didn't know anything about it prior. I did my own research and really the main things that come up about SMU are like the athletic history of the football program and the death penalty and everything, which I won't reopen that wound, but it's one of the main things. Yeah. Yeah. I, that those are all great points. I just want to point out Mark Cuban's house is twenty three thousand six hundred and seventy six square feet. Oh my gosh! And guess the price. Is it like thirty million dollars? It is thirteen million dollars oh, when he bought it in nineteen ninety nine. What's it worth right now? I don't know. It was thirteen million in ninety nine. Yeah, that was before worth, either of us were born. Yeah, he's worth four point seven billion dollars. Oh my! God. But Mark Cuban, maybe we should reach out to him and be like, "Do you want to fund our podcast?" <laughs> no, he would not. I don't think we'd get past his first line of defense. With Probably PR. not. But you know what? Maybe maybe he'll find himself listening to chronically on campus. Oh my gosh! I have a friend who goes to Indiana, and because he went to Indiana, and he was at a darty. Oh, and Mark Cuban was there. And Mark Cuban was there. That's so weird. My friend is a girl, but I was saying he isn't Mark Cuban. Oh. Also, Preston Hollow is a neighborhood right – It's it's Preston universe- Hollow is by North Park. Yes. Yeah. So that's where Mark Cuban lives, Preston Hollow. So does George Bush. Anyways. Wow. Crazy. Yeah, I mean, the kind of main stereotypes I think about SMU now that are external facing are like super, like just plan words with the acronym SMU Southern Millionaires University, Supermodel University, or Shortman University. Shortman University, that's also Southern true. Southern Meth University. 
Snowy Mountain University Snowy Mountain with reference to cocaine. not the weather. Now, I don't think that drugs – drugs are going to be an issue on any college campus. I don't think SMU is special in that we have an overuse of whatever. Um, the thing is, is like if you're into that life, then you can find it anywhere. You can find That's it true. here. You can find it anywhere. If you're not into it, it's pretty easy to avoid. Are there stupid people doing things on weekends next door to you? Maybe. The issue here is that the state of Texas has outlawed all drugs. Right. There's no recreational use of marijuana or other drugs. Right. So, yeah, that's where it becomes an issue, an issue. Because state laws are different and we have so many out-of-staters who, who live. Who come from states where it is legal. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I don't think SMU is – I, that's a that's a stereotype for any university, if you ask me. I don't think that's one that really only applies here. No, I Whereas agree. I feel like money, like we are a rich school. You know what I mean? That is something that is very unique to us. And I agree. There's a lot of privilege that runs rampant. There's so much status around campus just in the everyday. I mean, girls will use Louis Vuitton bags as their backpack equivalents and i'm over here with my north face like a normal human being that's a great backpack it's a fantastic backpack it holds everything i can i can try i can I'm pack for a whole north vacation in the, i'm like no north i face love items also aren't cheap. i love i mean i've had this bag for six years yeah. and it has never failed me um it's incredible but no like the things i'll see someone like there was a pair of gucci tennis shoes in the trash can because they had mud on oh them. my like people are like i would have taken muddy. those <laughs> dumpster dive i well, i found a pair of like louis vuitton sunglasses sitting on a bench well okay i should have taken them but girls I don't will love that idea girls will furnish their whole dorm rooms with like West Elm furniture and stuff. And then yeah. because they live out of state, they'll just throw it all in the dumpster when they move out and buy all new stuff for the next year. True. And like maybe not the West Elm those. furniture, but they'll throw stuff in the dumpster. No, but they they don't even store anything. Dumpster diving culture is so funny here when move out happens. People be finding stuff. No, we really need to I think we need to do more we do have partnerships with the women's shelter and the uh furniture what's the organization? Dallas Furniture or something. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. But regardless... Dallas it, Furniture Bank. Yeah, we do have partnerships with them, but there's no trucks that arrive on campus to haul that stuff away themselves. Right. It adds an extra barrier for but people. But there's like 70 dumpsters in the area. Yeah. People are like in them. It's it's like rugs. Lots of rugs. Lots I saw of pianos. Yeah. Like the keyboards. The keyboards. Couches. Lots of couches. Lots of futons. Lots of rugs. Lots of like... Alex, like the Ikea Alex drawers. Yeah. Lots of bedding. Oh my gosh. Um, all the mattresses. Mattress, mattress toppers. toppers. Yeah. <laughs> the it's gross. Crazy. I see so many nasty, like yellow foam pads. And I'm just like, the mattresses we have here are really nice. I mean, I have a mattress topper, but the mattresses in my building got redone when I was a freshman. I was the first person to sleep on my mattress ever as a freshman. Oh, yeah. I. Can't I really. love my memory foam mattress right now, though. It's the topper, cooling, yeah. the cooling technology. Oh, that was though. expensive. That yeah, it was topper, expensive, but know, it was worth I'm it. Like, I'm going to be that person that's like, I'm not throwing it away. I don't want it. I'll sell it to you for 50 bucks. The other thing that's really unique about SMU is our Greek life presence because we don't have that many Greek organizations compared to larger universities. However, so much of the student population is involved in Greek life. So I actually know the numbers. 
Oh, please do. So tell. it's forty percent of the overall student body it participates in Greek life. Wow. The other thing I think that is really unique to SMU is our Greek life presence on campus. Our number of Greek organizations probably isn't as large as some state schools or other larger universities, but we do have a large population of students involved in a Greek organization. Yeah, here. for sure. Do you know the? Because you're an admissions. The do, you, do they tell yeah, you that? Yeah, so it's 48% of females and 32% of males, but really? 40% overall. Yeah. 40% overall student 40% of all undergraduate students. See, that feels like a big number, but I feel like the reality is because everyone has – so everyone knows someone in Greek life essentially. Right. But that right. it's not overwhelming that, Which, oh, you have to be in Greek life to get ahead socially. At a and state. I That's would say when, when I was me, I was like, oh, everyone's going to be in Greek life. And it's so not true. Like if you want that life, definitely come here it thrives. If you don't, definitely come here. You'll still have oh, yeah. there's other things to do. There are literally hundreds of other organizations. You're in Dallas. <laughs> You're in Dallas. And then on campus, there's something happening at the school every day. Every I don't day. think there's a day that has gone by with when there's not an event or something somewhere at the school. Yeah. Dallas Hall Lawn is always popping, always busy. Today, oh, I was so happy because it was so nice out. We had like the warmest day of the year, basically. And everyone was sprawled uh, out on the lawn, hammocking, hammocking yeah. picnicking, studying outside. And it just reminded me why I love spring at SMU because it's just nice. It's the unity of the warm is, weather and is. the end of winter. And everyone will bring their dogs out. Oh, my gosh. We're such a dog-friendly school. Literally, I saw six dogs today. <laughs> oh, I love that. Would you say that the other stereotypes that we've talked about are – true in regard to the real experience here i would say no i mean the status one yes there are a lot of rich people that go status here is true that's the question i get asked on tours people will be like so is it really rich like are people i'm like i'm not gonna i don't lie to them there are people that you'll encounter that are like that but specifically within meadows i don't feel like there's people that are like hard to get along with because of their status I've never met someone that's hard to get along with because yeah. of status or any other issue. Yeah. I felt so welcomed by everyone at this school. Right. Genuinely. And I've I've never felt marginalized for being less than oh, me in either. terms of never. status never. or there's no like social you know, issues there. There was a rule that they had to this year for Rush, the sororities had a rule put in place where you're not allowed to wear any luxury items to Seriously? any of the rush events yeah i feel like no one followed that well or i'm I feel saying like it wasn't it's a nice idea <laughs> <laughs> the thought was you know there. <laughs> so you're not getting you know what i mean mm -hmm. but interesting yeah i feel like the another thing that's definitely that wasn't a stereotype coming in but that i've definitely realized is how much you're encouraged to do things here no one For sits around sure. bored. I mean, with like you the student organizations. You need to take on stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, you don't need to, but it's highly encouraged and highly supported yeah. to be heavily involved in many different things or to just have a busy schedule. I feel like every all my friends here are so busy doing a million things. But I think definitely – oh, I totally forgot. World Changers Shaped Here is one of SMU's taglines, mm -hmm. or at least it was when yeah. – I 
was applying here. And I think what separated SMU for me from other schools was how they prepare you for life after college. Yes. In addition yeah. to placing emphasis on the four-year experience versus other schools, I would hear like, these are going to be the best four years of your life and you're going to have the best time here. It's going to be so fun. And SMU is saying, oh yeah, you will have a great time here. But in that time, we're also going to prepare you for post-grad and we're going to set you right. up for success after you leave. And because the, resources, it is only four years. the resources they provide you with, like the career center mm-hmm. and just the networking you get. I think that was the biggest, not stereotype, yeah. but expectation. And we're fortunate because we're in Dallas. There's Fortune 500 companies one of the fastest growing cities in the country. Correct. I think and so Dallas, there's opportunities for internships and, you know, professional development off campus too. I heard recently that Dallas is supposed to surpass Chicago as the third largest city in the country. Really? Like soon. Wow. I thought that was so interesting. By population? I believe so. So many people are moving here. The job numbers That's are true. going crazy. Well, because a lot of companies are headquartered in Dallas. Yeah, or are moving or to Or are here. moving to Dallas. Because it's, it's a midpoint. The... Was this you who I was talking to this about? Yeah. Because it's in the middle. Oh, was you? Because it's in between California and, New, and York. New York. But I was like, no, Chicago's better because it's more north. I think Chicago and New York are more connected and Los Angeles and Dallas are more connected. And I think the populations yeah. of people moving between those cities also accurately represent that because we have so many Californians. This is based on my limited perspective of California being the second highest student population group at At SMU SMU. behind Texas. Well, guys, it's that time. It's that time. We've been been chatting. We've been chatting. Lots of tangents, but I think it hopefully was entertaining. Yeah, I think we will definitely dive more into these subjects throughout the season in more depth with regard to the admissions process and cost of attendance and other topics like that. So, yeah. Great conversation. We hope everyone enjoyed listening. Yeah. Be sure to tune in to our next episode. I think we'll be discussing Greek life in a lot more detail. Maybe we'll have a special guest. Perhaps. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) All right, guys. See you later. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to this episode of Chronically on Campus. Our podcast is produced and edited by Will Emmert and Katherine Ramsey. Our music is by Jake Dixon. Follow Chronically on Campus on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We'd love to hear from you. Write to us at chronicallyoncampus at gmail.com. 